Welcome to this edition of The B Word, the show where we demystify everything to do with B2B branding to get to what it really is, how it works, and why it matters for business. My name is John Galpin, co-founder of Branding Agency, Designed by Structure, and your host for today's episode, in which we're going to talk about rebranding and category creation. Joining me today is Quentin Coleman, CEO and co-founder of Cover, one of Europe's insurtech pioneers. Cover was just listed by tech.eu as one of the 10 European insurtech companies that should be on your radar. And Cover's technology has been used to provide insurance cover to over 2.6 million people worldwide. So welcome, Quentin. Thank you for joining me today to discuss all things cover and the recent category creation exercise that we've been through together. Thank you, Jen. So, Quentin, let's talk about cover and your journey to where you are today. And can you tell us a bit about where the original idea for cover came from? So back in 2012, my wife, she wanted to build an online art gallery. She's an art dealer and, and she wanted to, to go online. And as, as, as I have an engineer background, I did help to build the e-commerce website. And, and I was actually also implementing a payment solution within the website to proceed payment. And you know that proceeding a payment for artworks is not an easy one. Huh? So we were like not allowed by most payment provider or gateway. And then I found a, a small company at that time called Stripe, and I've been beta tester for Stripe in Belgium, and I did implement Stripe payment solution in the website of my wives. And then I was thinking, wow, this is so cool. Is, that, is there a way to, to have a plug-and-play similar solution to equip uh, any player to add insurance into their value proposition as, as simply as, as Stripe does for, for payment? And, and that was a bit the starting point of, of, of the think tank around the, this journey, I would say. Um, and, and you know, that was in 2012, I was doing an MBA. Uh, I was working for Allianz, one of the largest insurance companies in 2007. And mid 2015, um, I was really more inclined to start an entrepreneurial journey. I gathered with three other friends. And at the end, one of them, Jean-Charles, who is today the co-founder, decided to follow because on his side, he was doing private equity in Hong Kong. And, you know, he was witnessing the usage of, of uh, WeChat and he really think about this kind of embedded integrated value proposition in WeChat makes so much sense that he also aligned, he was very aligned with me that there is a huge potential in the world of embedded insurance. So here we go. That's really the, the true story or, or how the things happen over time. Tell us a bit about what you've built since you started Cover back in 20, 2015, 2016. Look, I mean, it's a typical entrepreneurial journey. You know, you, you start with your idea, you start building your solution. We did already a full fundraising. Uh, we are, we have, we did a series B in, in April 2021. And, and, and the focus was really on building a, a complex pan-European infrastructure, um, which is actually a combination of several elements. One element is, of course, a, a tech platform, uh, that enable us to by configuration only to launch any insurance program or insurance experience in any country, in any languages, in any currencies. So if you come to me to say, you know, I want to add, I don't know, a pet insurance in Poland, by configuration, we are enabled to bring that to life. 
And you know, it's a set of API, it's a white label journey, it's a policy administration system, it's a claim management, but it's also third party servicing. But on top of that, we also have uh, uh, built a, a pan-European customer care team that really care of the client, request from the client, digital chat, phone, whatever. Uh, we'll uh, do the contract lifetime management of an insurance contract. We have also built this pan-European claim management team that will manage the claim, which is the moment of truth in insurance. Huh? It's easy to buy an insurance contract. It's less easy to claim. And then uh, on top of that, we have built a unique knowledge of the European legislation. So a big part of our team are insurance and legal specialists. And so they are able to understand what are the requirements to go to Italy, Austria, Belgium, the UK, and so on. And it's really a combination of a lot of complex elements. And this is actually highlighting the sophistication of running a pan-European insurance program. And we are the company that is able to bring that together. But you understand this level of sophistication is barely understood by clients or by the rest of the world. And this is what we've built at Cover since 2016. I think what's interesting is it's, it's, it's kind of evidenced in the kind of client base that, that, you've, that you've managed to kind of build since. And so it'd be great to talk about sort of some of the successes and things that you've been able to achieve on the way, because I know there's some you know, pretty big names in there. We have achieved some amazing success. We are very active in a lot of uh, verticals. Uh, for example, in the fin service uh, vertical, uh, in the motor vertical, uh, in the soft mobility vertical, uh, or in the gig economy. Uh, typically, in the fin service world, we, we do operate a pan-European insurance program for Revolut uh, uh, since several years in 32 countries. Uh, for Conto, which is a very impressive SME uh, bank in, in four countries. Uh, for Moniz, which is also a, a UK uh, a neobank. Um, so we have already a lot of, of market share in, in the fintech space, what we call it FinServe, and we are launching a few uh, more like large banks in, in the coming weeks. Uh, in the gig economy, uh, actually, we are the provider of insurance for Deliveroo uh, on the European market, Glovo globally, uh, Getir in some countries. So, you know, those are, are great names, actually, mm-hmm. very great players. Yeah. Um, in, in the new mobility or the soft mobility, like bike insurance, we work with Carrefour France, Canyon, I'm a big fan, Cowboy Bike 2, Veloretti, Giant. And finally, last but not least, we are extremely active in, in the motor space. And, and I don't know if you've seen, but we had a few releases lately. Uh, we launched Neo, Stilt, Just Hand, Volta Trucks, new technologies. So a lot of like EV players and disruptive motor players are coming to us. I think this is, yeah, hugely exciting. Let's talk a bit about that your vision for the future of insurance, this kind of global safety net, just tell us a bit more about how you see that. Everything around insurance is so complicated. And, and as an example, you know, insurance is at the end something like intangible. And if you would be like a tech player and, and you want to launch a software in Europe, you're not going to have to create 32 companies in 32 countries to serve the European market. But this is what insurance companies have been doing. There is a lot of additional costs, lack of efficiency, that is actually uh, uh, making insurance cost a lot. And that's criteria number one. Embedded insurance helps you to remove all those issues, uh, all those friction in the distribution, because at the end, what is insurance about? It's connecting the, the capital, the balance sheet to the society. And, and, and it could be a straight line, embedded insurance, or it could be like this, like it is today. 
And, and so, you know, first of all, um, the food embedded insurance has this amazing power to make insurance totally invisible and to reduce the cost for the society to enable anyone to be fully protected. And this is a different perspective of mindset. So, so this global safety net that can be the social security on steroids would be to have a full insurance invisible connected everywhere with a maximized loss ratio because you can, you know, drive down the expense, expense ratio close to zero. I think what's really interesting about this is the consumer experience angle as well, in the sense that, you know, sometimes insurance can be quite hard for people to navigate, you know, what kind of cover do I actually need? And then maybe there's a perception as well that, you know, insurance is going to be hard to pay out when you, you need it for all sorts of, of different reasons. And I think what you're kind of talking about is sort of breaking down both of those barriers, because when you obviously bundle the right cover together with the right product based on what you know people need, and you try and you know max or sorry maximize the kind of claims loss ratios in the way that you you've talked about. Then actually, it's not only insurance that's right for you, but insurance that's going to pay you out when you need it. And I guess what I was quite interested about recently was the sort of twenty four hour claims that you recently announced, which I guess kind of fits into this as sort of almost kind of the proof of of of, of what you're saying. So it might be quite good to learn a bit more about that as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, and and if you step back a bit, when we started that cover, you know, we were not focused on claim management because to manage a claim, you need first to sell one insurance contract. So let's focus first as a startup six years, seven years ago to sell at least one insurance contract, right? And 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 so what we did for claim management, we did partner with um, third-party administrators. So those are uh, companies that are specialized in managing claims for traditional risk carriers. But they do that in a traditional way. And so we, we were focusing only on the distribution. We grew the portfolio uh, uh, a lot. And then suddenly, the number of claims we had to manage was quite important. And we realized that we were not doing better than any other traditional risk carrier because it was outsourced to a traditional player. And, and, and this came first to a woke-up call, know it's time with the money, with the funding, with the size to in-source claims. And so we had first to go back to all our risk carrier partners and tell them, you know, um, we are not going to to do the claims ourselves. And, and we did build a full claim platform and the process to internalize the claims. And then you have a learning curve, you know, you, you when you start, you think you're better, but you basically do the same than, than traditional player. But thanks to having this in-source experience, we start thinking about where can we really make like quick uh, haha moment, something totally different. And, and we are actually launching very soon, and it's still super confidential, a major partnership with a very large neobank where we are going to to have um, these uh, 24-hour claims where, where the, the claim process is extremely smooth and the collection of the proof, the evidence, and the check are fully automated. And, and it leads to the fact that you file your claim, and in 24 hours, you get the money on your account. Huh? So, so this is the best experience ever because, you know, I don't know, if your phone is broken or stolen, you want another phone immediately, so you need the cash right now, right? Yeah, I think what's really interesting about that is that, you know, there is maybe in the market, there's been, you know, some cynicism amongst consumers around insurance. And I think when you start to get an experience like the one that you're, you're talking about actually, you know, interestingly, I think that might actually drive the adoption of insurance because 
you, you know, it's there when you really need it and you can see the value, you get the value back from it almost immediately. So it's kind of really rethinking the whole, the whole kind of customer experience side of it in a, in a really interesting way. So just thinking more longer term then, Quentin, what does success kind of look like for, for Cover? So Cover obviously um, is distributing insurance through leading brands. Huh? And so we have a, a vision, a big, hairy, audacious goal to actually distribute about one, 100 billion euro protection through leading brands. If we would distribute 100 billion euro, actually, we would be the biggest insurance company of the world. So that's not that bad as a vision and, and a definition of success, I believe. So let's move on to the kind of category creation and the rebranding exercise. So obviously the vision kind of plays a big part in this, right? And that one of the kind of first conversations that we had was around your vision for this kind of much improved um, technology enabled insurance industry that could kind of fulfill its original promise around caring for and protecting people to kind of live their, their best lives. Um, what were the, from your point of view, what were the drivers behind the, the category creation and the, the rebranding exercise that we, um, that we kind of went through together? It's more like um, an assessment that after seven years of running the business, we were still totally unable to, to frame the problem in, in one sentence. Uh, if someone would ask me, what are you doing? I say, oh, hold on, I need to give you the context. I need to, you know, explain a lot of things and then you will understand. And then it means that it was very difficult to explain our business to both to the rest of the world, but as well our client and future partner, as well as our internal employee. Uh, sometimes you were joking at cover, uh, you're there in three years, but do you know what you are doing actually? You know, and, and of course it, it's a bit of a silly joke, but, but it's not that, 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 that far away from, from, from the truth in, in some perspective. And, and, and so um, one, one thing that was for me a big hint that we were not understood properly on the market is that systematically we were taken by, by large risk carriers or large brokers as the en enemy, as a competitor, while fundamentally we are an ecosystem enabler. We are a partner. And, and, and the fact that they seen us as a competitor show clearly that there was something wrong in regard to the positioning, in regard to the communication, how we are perceived by the client. And, and also the fact that we have this ability to do so many things and that we cannot exactly frame the problem lead to the fact that then we were doing too many things. And, and you know that the lack of focus is actually the enemy of any companies in the world. Uh, so it was basically time to, to bring clarity uh, internally and, and externally. And, and obviously part of the process of framing the problem, as, as you put it, was, was actually thinking about it in a slightly different way and trying to establish this kind of new category in the insure tech space. So what, in your mind, why was that important for, for cover, Quentin? I mean, I mean, defining a, a category is, is for me a very strong way to define what you stand for. Uh, it's a very strong way to de facto enable internal and external people to, to not need to understand your pitch, to not read your boilerplate, but by understanding the category you are in, they directly understand what is your business about. Huh? So, so that's, I mean, the best outcome of it so that people can understand and identify very easily what we do by understanding what we stand for and, and where we position uh, in, in the market. 
So tell us about the new category, embedded insurance orchestration and how that enables your business. So when you think about insurance, um, it is always seen very traditionally as um, you, you sign an insurance contract and that's it. And maybe there is a claim and you file a claim. But this is, of course, true to a certain extent. Um, but when you want to enable leading brands to embed insurance on a multi-country level, there are so many things to consider. Uh, there is a service, there is the local regulation, there is the API integration, uh, there is a policy administration system, there is the reporting, there is the integration to local provider, to local database, there is the all you can sublime, sublimate the, the service to the final user. So there are so many components that nobody really understands this level of sophistication. And then either either we start to explain all those things and then you know we had slides where we are listing all the things we were doing and it was basically like a hundred slides with a lot of words and that was a way to convince the client that that we we, we matter but then we say you know what we do we orchestrate embedded insurance and we say orchestrate so an orchestration directly highlight that there is something big behind to be done and just this single word of orchestration enable people to understand the value we add because there is like a blind spot, a black box for you of something super complex to navigate through. And we make it simple for you because we do orchestrate the complexity. And then embedded insurance because that's the focus of what we are doing. How has this shift kind of helped you go for the kind of growth that you, that, that you, that you want as a business? What's kind of changed? First of all, it enables to position Cover as the tech-first partner and not as a tech-first supplier. And it's a big shift. The second part is um, the concept of orchestration, which is immediately, indirectly, a labeling of the problem, the complexity that needs to be orchestrated. Directly, you know, uh, uh, ring a bell to, to large risk carriers and large brokers. They say, Oh my God, that's exactly the problem we are having. We, we, because of our brand, because of our reputation, we are able to sign very large deal, but we are totally lost on how to execute that. Because by the way, the structure of a lot of large risk carriers and, and large brokers are actually um, local. Uh, there is no such thing as an international insurance company. It's a federation of local insurance companies that share the same branding. But then when they need to orchestrate or operate a, a pan-European insurance program, they have different IT tools, different operations, different uh, product and so on that doesn't speak to each other. And they need these layer and these orchestrators that can help them to manage that. And so, so overnight, we are moving from being a competitor to an ecosystem enabler. And so suddenly we are becoming tech partner of both the large risk carrier, the broker, and also some distributing partner. So just thinking about the kind of the process that we, we that we went through, um, sort of from a founder perspective, you know, sometimes people talk about rebranding and you think, oh my God, what does this actually in, entail? It'd be great to understand, you know, what your expectations were to, to, to start with. I mean, first of all, you know, I'm a big fan of the book, uh, Play Bigger. 
And you know, uh, I was 100% convinced by this uh, category king and positioning and category definition. But let's be clear, I was super skeptical that you wanted to change my branding. My branding was so cool. I loved my former branding, you know? So, so from a founder perspective, you know, I, I'm a head guy. It means I want things to go quick, to be clear, to be structured, to be smooth. I, I, I'm a no bullshit guy. Uh, and I was a bit afraid that we would go into a very chaotic artistic process where I get advice to change the branding I love so much. Um, and I also had really no idea about how you do that. You know, the, the technical or philosophical concept of a category king is very obvious and, 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 and easy to understand and super powerful. But how can I go there? If it has been seven years, I'm in the business and I'm not able to label my problem properly. So, so I was quite skeptical at the start. And, and also I was, you know, looking to also convince everyone in the organization to move toward the category king, to move toward like the positioning of the company. And then obviously uh, a rebranding uh, that would go uh, alongside this positioning. So in terms of how the, how it kind of the process went then, given your sort of initial skepticism, what stood out? What surprised you along along the way? Uh, look, um, it was a, a revelation. Uh, let's be honest, I was extremely positively surprised by by the thinking process you you have been you have put in place. Huh? It was extremely structured and extremely well thought, uh, and it was kind of built to. I don't know, naturally, step-by-step, step, go to understanding your problem and understanding your position. And, and I really remember each time we had our discussion, I was, wow, oh, I understand why he's talking about that. And you also had like an approach where you very clearly were wrapping up the former session, going to, you know, what we need to do. So, you know, as a red guy, I like, I like structured process. And then very naturally, at a certain moment, I had this aha moment. And you don't have a lot of time in your life, this aha moment. Whoa, we found it. We found it. That is, I mean, yeah, that's, it feels like amazing. I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think that, you know, the, the process that you talk about is, is about trying to make things as objective as possible. And actually, the last thing that happens is any design work because the, the strategy clearly informed actually where we kind of ended up from a creative point of view, which actually was about bringing this idea of orchestration to life in a way that people could understand all of the things that cover is kind of connecting to make, you know, an insurance experience um, it happen. And, you know, deliberately that that's the last thing you do rather than the first thing, because you need, you need to know what you're kind of designing for. So I'm, I'm glad that you kind of saw it that way. And, and how did the process feel to you? from a client's perspective? Look, the way it felt to me um, was, was uh, I think what, what, what I, I liked a lot in, in this process was um, the approach of design by structure where you really, uh, you know, um, you were there to, to find a meaningful solution and you did not treat us as, as a client where, you know, you want to make your, your revenue and that's it and to get to an outcome as quick as possible. I really felt that you really took care of us and that it was cover was almost your company and that your team and yourself, you were really fighting hard as if it was like a, 
uh, a dead life matter. You know, we want to go through. And, and if you are not satisfied, where well, with a lot of agency or the supplier, we will say, mm, that's good enough. No, no, that's not good enough. Let's go the extra mile. Let's go one step further. And, and you know, it really felt for me that we found the right partner to do this exercise. And that was really great. Awesome. No, great to hear that. And I think, um, you know, we, we're often, um, you know, the mindset, I guess, is that we're, we're only as good as the last job that we've, that we've done because actually the work that we do is, is, is what is, what is going to win us the next client. So it's really great to see that you kind of recognize that because I think that's where that sense of pushing for the extra mile really kind of comes from because it's how do you take something from good, good to great. And that's very much the mindset that we try to, uh, to instill here. So let, let's talk a bit about the impact. So um, it's been what, six months now since this new category was born into the world and the kind of associated rebrand with it. How, how are things going from your perspective? What changes have you seen? It feels that since, you know, we, we break this category to the market, we did a lot of evangelization. Uh, we did, you know, have a lot of talks for clients. We are in a situation where overnight everybody is speaking about orchestration. And they say, yeah, and, and we need you to orchestrate. And, and you will cover you are the orchestrator. And so we don't need anymore to explain what we do and who we are. They just understand thanks to this, this positioning. So, 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 I mean, it, it's, it's, it's an amazing achievement first that we don't need to present ourselves. We don't need to label the problem ourselves just by defining the category people understand the, the problem. And it, it's, it's, it's a big win and, and, and so on. The second thing that did occur is over the last six months, we are overwhelmed by, by inbound requests from large risk carriers and large brokers. We, we are now sitting at the table of what we call jumbo deals. And, and, you know, cover, you know, we are well known in the insure tech space, but, but in the large enterprise space, we are not that well known or it would be difficult to have a very large player to trust a player like cover. However, they will trust a large risk carrier or a large broker. And thanks to them, those kind of ricochet effects, we are invited at the table of large deals. So now following this rebranding and, and positioning, there is a new exercise that is happening internally, which is a shift and a pivot toward being enterprise ready. And so this is a, a very impressive achievement and it went extremely fast. We are overnight an ecosystem partner, a player that helps large players, and we are invited at, at the table of Jumbo deals. I mean, and from a growth point of view, I mean, transformative could that potentially be for you? Because I guess that, you know, the, the kind of risk carriers that you, the brokers that you talked about have access to a huge number of clients that would have been hard for you perhaps to reach by, by yourselves, right? You, you're, you're totally right. When you, when you think about insurance and, and, and it's a bit the journey, when, when you start, you, you try to, to orchestrate like 10,000 euro deal, then 100,000 euro deal, then 1 million euro deal, then 10 million euro deal. Uh, uh, but very large risk carriers, they, they manage like 500 million euro deal, 1 billion euro deal. And suddenly you have access to that. And, and the funny thing that we observe, because we made a lot of assessment of our B2B sales cycle, is that the, the first of all, the, the sales cycle of a large deal or a medium-sized deal or a small deal is not that different. Because you might believe that it will go faster with a small player, 
but small player might, you know, not be mature enough to understand why can he eat how and so on. While a very large player, they directly know exactly what they want. Uh, but of course, it takes much more time to get the approval process internally. And, and then, you know, if you think that the orchestration, orchestrating a very large deal in 10 countries is the same sophistication and complexity than a small deal in 10 countries. And so it makes totally sense for us, actually, to go to those, the table of, of, of those large deals. And so from a, a revenue perspective, but also a gross margin perspective, it's totally transformative. Incredible to hear. Um, and just thinking back, um, you know, to, to your experience through the process, any kind of key learnings, um, Quentin, that you kind of take away from what we did together? I mean, don't start the process during July and August um, because it's a, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very, very intense process. I, I think, you know, we did it right because we decided to do it extremely seriously. And so we had uh, a, a squad of fully dedicated three to four FTEs, 100% dedicated to, to that project. Then on top, the senior management uh, at, the, at the weekly steering. And I remember you were sending us a lot of homework via, via our team. And we really said, okay, let's do it. And, and we were lucky, actually, that, you know, we, we knew it, we understood, we allocated time. And then um, it was good, actually, to do that during holiday period because uh, uh, you have less business during holiday period, but then you have also more time because you are on holiday. So actually, we, we wasted our holiday, but it was the best call ever. Uh, so, so the best lesson is, is it's a very serious exercise. You really need to allocate, allocate a, a dedicated resource for uh, several months at every level of the organization. And, and if you don't do it like this, it's not going to be a success. Yeah, I think that's, that's really important. I think, you know, you can hire all the agencies in the world, right? But if you aren't able to kind of put the effort in yourselves, I don't think you'll ever get the, um, the, the result that you want. And I think great work always happens when, when both client and agency are kind of of the same mindset and are really kind of prepared to put the kind of, you know, the effort and go the extra mile as you, um, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Great, great insight. And, and then finally, um, just thinking more generally about, um, you know, another company thinking of kind of creating a new category and maybe the rebranding that kind of comes with that. Is there any advice that you would, you would give to anyone else out there that, um, you know, I guess was in your shoes of not being able to label the, the, the problem? Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, first of all, I would say, um, be open for, for everything because I was very keen for the positioning. I was not that keen for, for the rebranding. I think I even told to my team, you know, you're not going to change the logo. Uh, you will have to go uh, over my dead body to do that. And, and actually, I like very much the new logo. You know, it's amazing. I love the rebranding. So it's, it's be really open-minded and be able to challenge the status quo. Uh, even though you have been running the business, yes, sometimes people, uh, actually, um, you have been there not to tell us what was our problem, but to put us in the process, uh, in a structured process to be able to understand by yourself finally and to name to the, the problem. And I think this is the first element, be open to re-challenge everything, to challenge the status to go and listen and follow respect the process. The second part is, of course, um, make a very strong selection about uh, the, the provider or the partner that will help you. 
because, um, you know, we did actually look at the market. We did, of course, run a kind of RFP. Uh, and, and, and when we reached out to you, we directly understood that you were the only one that knew what he was talking about, that he did it before. And, and, and I have seen that during the entire process. And, and the fact that we really came to the problem, to the category, and we are successful in here, I think this is in big majority thanks to your approach, your knowledge, your structure approach. So my final advice would be just do it. Amazing. Great, great advice. So thank you very much, Quentin. It's been really great to, to speak to you today. And, you know, we'll be... Uh, Looking forward to seeing the next tranche of announcements that Cover makes and kind of following the, the growth story really closely. Thanks a lot, John. And there are a lot of new announcements to, to be announced in the coming weeks. So each time you see one, think that you are behind those announcements. <laughs>